our spirit. The feelings God has created our emotions to experience incredible highs and feel incredible things as long as it is subservient to our spirit. Our mind, scientists will even tell us, has yet to really tap into its capabilities. And it is only the mind that is yielded and surrendered to the Holy Spirit, Romans would tell us in chapter 8 over and over again, that the, that the mind of the natural man is death. But the mind that is dominated and controlled by the Holy Spirit is filled with life and peace and righteousness and joy in the kingdom of God. And if all of these things exist... And they are at our disposal in the realm and uh, of the God's spiritual dimension. Then shouldn't we make use of them? Shouldn't we awaken ourselves every day and say, Holy Spirit, speak to my spirit today. How can you lead me today? How can I walk this natural life out in my job, in my career, in my relationships? But how can I allow your spirit to move my spirit, to speak to me, and to be used powerfully by you in this very natural world and context? I think it's a good question. And so we have a window into these two different worlds, and we find it right here in Luke chapter 16 in your notes under point number one, titled Windows. It says in verses 19 through 25 that there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. There was a a moment of reckoning and awakening in each of their hearts and minds. That they had played this life out here on planet earth. Something had happened and very almost simultaneously they had both come into the next life. One had gone into torment. One had gone to Abraham's side. One there was peace. One there was great agony in just a flash of a moment. And they began to recall, especially the rich man, and it was recited for him as well. And if you would go on and you can continue to read in your Bibles in Luke chapter 16, that he wishes that he would have spent his short time on earth differently. He begins to recall that his relatives don't know of this salvation and begs that someone would come back from the dead and go and speak to them. He has regrets over how he spent his life on earth, even though he was adorned in purple linen and was considered a rich man. You see, there is a a, a consciousness that God wants to bring to our spirits and our understanding so that when we move from this natural world into the time before Christ, we don't look back with regrets and say, oh, 
I wish I would have lived my life a little differently. You see, the, the rich man now, if he could be afforded the opportunity to go back, would it not change the decisions that he made? Would it not begin to shape the outcome of his life if he held an eternal perspective, a perspective that there is a spiritual world, and if we will recognize it, it has the ability to transform our walk and shape our journey in a very different way than if we're not aware of it. Wow. Could you and I walk with that consciousness not waiting until we get to heaven, not waiting until we're in the arms of, of Christ himself. But now, right now in 2013, could we walk with a consciousness of the reality of heaven, of the reality of the spirit life, and that reality would permeate our mind and our consciousness, and every day we would live with this growing knowledge that we are spiritual, God, what would you have me do with my time here on earth? But how easily we can get caught up with the weights, as Hebrews would say, that so easily beset us, that so easily pull us out of this spiritual consciousness, pull us out of this understanding of who we really are, and how we can make a difference being put here on earth by God. God created us as spiritual beings. And God has a spiritual walk and a spiritual task for us to accomplish while we're here. And I'll tell you this. This spiritual journey, this spiritual task, it doesn't involve or look like you at the center. <laughs> doing everything that just suits you. Can I be straight with you this morning? It's about putting God at the center, saying, Lord, what would you have my life look like? Lord, you direct the affairs of my life. I love the scripture where Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy that no good soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this world or this life. How many know that it's easy to get tangled up in this life with all sorts of stuff? And I'm not at all suggesting that we, you know, <laughs> move and, and, and park ourselves in a cave somewhere and meditate for the rest of our lives away from all things. No, the, the more spiritually aware you are, the more firmly your feet will be planted in the soil of this world, the more of an overcomer you will be able to walk life through with God's victory. You'll have God's answers right at the tip of where you need them instead of searching in your own strength and power in lostness and confusion about what you're supposed to do. That spiritual nature that God has given you will be alive and, and, and awakened to receive the very thoughts of God, as Corinthians tells, Corinthian tells us, that we can know his mind, that we can know his thoughts as they are communicated to us through the Spirit, and we can live with a growing sense of eternity, of this spiritual world, our place in it, and it will be, allow us to become so incredibly effective as we walk out our natural lives. That's how God has designed us. I want to encourage you today, 
live up to that high calling that is in Christ Jesus. Live up to that spiritual nature that God has invested inside of you. Paul said, I want in, 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 in the church in Corinth, he said, I wanted to address you as spiritual men and women, but I can't do it because you're acting like mere infants, still controlled by a carnal nature, still making decisions based on just your own human reason and intellect. You're not injecting God into all parts and facets of your life and allowing Him to direct your course. I wonder if a letter was written to us today, what the words might read. (laughs) Hopefully, God can address us as spiritual beings that are listening to His Spirit. You know, when Jesus was beginning His ministry... He was, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, that he was driven or led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. There he spent 40 days, and the enemy, the devil, brought three temptations. The first temptation was a natural temptation. It was his hunger had grown, having not eaten for 40 days. The devil came to him and showed him a stone and said, turn this stone into bread. You have the ability to do it. And it's really one of the first areas where the devil comes to us. It's this very physical nature in this natural world with our real appetites and cravings, whether they be natural, whether they be emotional, whether they be physical, whatever they are, to draw us out of the things of the Spirit to lead us away and get us out of that place of making spiritual decisions that keep us on a spiritual path directed by God. That's when Christ said, I have food that you don't know of. A man shall not live by bread alone, but I'm going to live by what comes from God. I'm going to have my thoughts and my sights set on heaven. I'm going to recognize that I am a spiritual man walking through this world and I'm going to do it in a spiritual way and I'm not going to be drawn out by very natural temptations. Did Christ ever eat again? Absolutely. He ate. He enjoyed But there was a time and a moment where there was a testing period in his life as to to what was the bait that could draw him out of the things of the Spirit. And there is the same thing being offered at many junctures of our life where the enemy comes along and attempts to draw us out and to get us to live for very natural and carnal things. But God has a higher life for us. Psalm chapter 39, under point number two, I've entitled it Phantoms. Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6, it says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breadth. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Verse 6, surely... Everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. The scripture speaks to the fragility of life, to the shortness of life. One version says that life is but a mere vapor. It's like a wind that blows in and blows out so quickly. But I know... (laughs) 
I remember in my as a adolescence at a young age, waiting until I could get to adulthood. I just wanted to drive a car, and then I wanted to, you know, leave school. I was so ready to be done with all of that, and wanted to go on, and, and it felt like it took so long for some things to happen. I know my son, Hudson, is just waiting for a mustache. He's, he's 10 years old, and dad, when's it going to come? When's it going to come? And and uh, sometimes, sometimes it, just, it just seems like things drag on, but that's a, a very actual natural viewpoint. We're provided a spiritual viewpoint here in Psalm chapter 39 when the Bible tells us that this time on earth is going by so quickly. It's like a wind. It's like a vapor. It may seem like it's dragging out. But actually, if our spiritual eyes could be opened and we could see the grand scope of eternity and recognize this very fleeting moment that we have here and how we spend it makes all the difference. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation and that you got to earn it here in life and then you'll get to heaven. But the Bible is very clear that we will be judged and that we will be rewarded and that gifts will be dispensed in heaven based on the decisions and how we yielded our life in obedience to God and how we followed him regardless of the consequences. And I'm submitting to you today, it's very hard, very difficult to make the right decisions without a spiritual framework, an understanding of eternity, of heaven, who God is, who we are, what is our place here, what is our role in life, how does God want to use us. When your heart begins to awaken to those realities, it changes your financial decisions, it changes your relationships, it changes your pursuits in this world and what you live for, it changes everything. Amen. Amen. Point number three, deceptions. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. These are the words of Christ himself at the parable of the sower towards the end of it when he's explaining it to his disciples. He said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, listen to this, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. I would ask you today, how many of your decisions right now are shaped by the pursuit of money? It's a good, fair question to ask. I'll ask myself that as well. Does it shape our career choices? Does it shape what we invest in? The, the, the different things that we decide to spend our money on here in this world and life? Not that any of those things are wrong, but there is a warning that Christ gives us that says that there is a lure and there is a deception in the pursuit of natural temporal wealth that can get in between our spirits and God's designs and our ability to walk out the purposes of God because we've been lured away by the deceitfulness of wealth and riches. 
Now, I'm not advocating that we all pack up, sell up, give everything away. If God tells you to do that, obey. Do it. But what I am saying is if you are driven or if you are tempted or if you have fallen prey to that deception and are now feel like you are trapped in life, then I believe God wants to bring some adjustments to your life. You know, I've had so many conversations here as I've been traveling heavily over the last four months. And uh, I've been sharing uh, about what God is doing and what I think God wants to do. And people have often come up to me after I share or minister, and they've said, Jack, wow, you know, if I, if, I, if I just didn't have all this debt, if I just didn't have all these commitments, if I just hadn't all these things that I've got to do, man, I'd love to serve God. <laughs> and uh, I think, stop and listen to what you're saying there. And it doesn't mean that we have to quit our careers or quit our jobs to go and serve God. God can use you right where you are. But make sure that you have not been lured away. And even in your pursuit of your ladder of success and whatever you look at with a natural perspective and your natural reason, that you are not making decisions in this world that are based on income. If you're doing that, then it's possible that you might have fallen into a deception of pursuing riches and wealth. There's another verse here, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Listen to this. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Another piece of evidence in God's word to us that there are temptations, things that will draw us out of a spiritual life, out of a spiritual journey, into a pursuit of things, of materialism, of consumerism, of wealth, of building earthly security that will draw us out of some purposes of God. And Paul is warning Timothy right here. He said, be careful. There is a temptation There is a trap that is laid for you that if you step into it, it will fasten itself around you and your ankle and you'll have a hard time ever getting free. It will hold you and bound you and bind you in life and you'll be tethered, tied to a stump of inactivity and unfruitfulness in the kingdom of God, Timothy, if you you step into this trap, if you follow this temptation. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Point number four under warnings, James chapter five, verses one through five says this, now listen, you rich people. And if you're in this room, you're rich. Let me just tell you that. (laughs) You may not feel like it, but I can take you to some parts of the world that redefine what wealth is. You've got a house to live in. You've got food to eat. You've got water to drink. You've got education at your fingertips. You've got transportation. We're rich, abundantly rich. But there are places that are not like that. 
Now listen, you rich people, weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. He's speaking to people who have fallen into this trap. And that their life's decisions now revolve. Or they're being forced to make their decisions based on money. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and your silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Everyone says happy amen. Yeah. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. And listen to this last, ver- la- this last statement. You have lived on earth. Here, here's a reminder for us. That there's a, a, a time here on earth, but then there's another time. And he's saying that how you're living this life out on earth is incredibly important. Make sure you're doing it from a spiritual vantage point and perspective. You have lived on earth in luxury, in self-indulgence. There's a warning for us. comes to us. From Paul to Timothy, it comes to us here in the book of James. There's an antidote for all of this. Maybe if the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to your heart this morning, and you're thinking, wow, perhaps I've made some decisions in life that have not been really spiritually based. Lord can help you this morning. He can help recalibrate your heart. And for some people, they think that the more spiritual you become, the more kind of weird you become. You ever met someone like that? They just kind of hold up in a prayer closet all the time and you're kind of scared to interact with them because they just got a little bit too much time in the closet. Yeah? You ever met some? I've met many people like that. But, you know, the, the more spiritual you become, the more relatable you can become, the more real understanding that you can have for the needs of people around you, the more of God's compassion can work down in your heart, the more of God's great immense love can be, can be worked out of you to love people who are sometimes actually really hard to love. You ever met someone like that? Yeah, the more spiritual you become, the more God's life is revealed through you to bring help and healing to those who need it. And there is a great answer and antidote for us found here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. For our light and momentary troubles. This is Paul talking. Remember Paul, the one who was beaten, the one who was in prison, the one who was in tortured, the one who was left for dead, the one who was shipwrecked, said our light and momentary troubles. He recognized they were momentary because he carried this consciousness of an eternal realm. He carried this awareness of the spiritual world and arena around him. And as a result, he could call these things very temporal and momentary, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He's a very natural man, (laughs) feeling all the lashes that are given on his back, all of the hunger, all of the, the sea-soaked time he spent on the waves. He's feeling all of this. His natural life takes it all in. He feels every single ounce of real pain. But what provides him with the ability to go through persecution, to go through hardships, is because his vision is so broad and aware of heaven. 
in eternal things, in the realm of God's spirit, that he could say, all of these things are just light and momentary because I am focused on eternity and that would lead me to be beaten in a town, kicked out of a town, to stand up and walk right back into the town. He's not making decisions (laughs) based on his certainly natural decisions. (laughs) We would run the opposite direction. But he is making decisions based on eternity. I'm going to go back into that place. I'm going to walk back in there. And I'm going to keep spreading. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep diffusing the wonderful life of Jesus Christ everywhere I can. Because I'm not living for natural, temporal, physical things. I'm living for eternal things. It shaped his decisions. It shaped his perspective. It changed his prayers. No longer was he begging and pleading for God for all the things that he needed in life and how unhappy he was. But when his spiritual eyes were opened, he recognized how rich he was in Christ, that there was a treasure inside of this earthen vessel, that he was overflowing with the nature and presence of Christ. It changed his prayers. It changed his actions. It changed the outcome of his life. Verse 18 So we, here's a key for us this morning, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My friends, if we could have any, I believe, Holy Spirit-inspired words penetrate our heart today, I pray that this is a part of it that we could see into the unseen, that we could see eternal things, and that it would show so shape our process of thinking, our, our decisions, and how we carry ourselves out in this world, knowing that it's passing by, but just like a mere vapor, a wind, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, 19. Again, Paul speaking to Timothy, his disciple. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to uh, be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take a hold of the life that is truly life. Can you see it again here in the words of Paul? He's saying, hey, this thing that we're walking out here on planet earth, it's not real life. There is a true reality. It is an unseen world. It is what matters. So let that world shape the outcome and the affairs of your life. My goodness. If we would hold that perspective, how much would it afford us with a great advantage in this world? That as we go into key decisions in our life, we say, Lord, I'm bringing you right into the middle of all this. Help me make spiritual decisions. Help me make decisions with an eternal perspective. It'll shape what we do with our money. It'll shape what we do with our time. It'll shape what we do with our talents. Let's live for eternal things. Finally, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4, through 4, He says, join me in suffering 
like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Are you a civilian today or are you enlisted? Are you a soldier today? I, I know that if you'll find some time where you can get before God, and maybe you can go back and even right now as I've been talking, you've rehearsed and know that there's perhaps some decisions that you've made in life that haven't really been as spiritually influenced as you've wanted them to be. I, I can think of many in my own walk. But now is a great time to set aside some moments to go into prayer, to get on our knees before God and say, Father, here I am. I've, I've already come through life so far. I've got this much left approximately. Lord, let me use the rest of my days. Let me count them and be wise with them. Let me use them to great effect and let them be shaped by eternal an eternal perspective and by, by a spiritual sight. Lord, let me see into the unseen. Let me walk with that every single day. Let me go into my job. Let me go into my relationships holding that perspective of the unseen realm and of what you want to do and how you want to work through me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your words that come to our heart today that there is a spiritual life for us to lead and live. But Father, there are so many distractions, so many weights that can easily beset us that can cause us to not run the race of life with effectiveness. There are distractions. There are traps. There are temptations that can pull us out of this spiritual mindset. But Lord, a part of your wonderful work, a part of your illumination in our spirits and our consciousness is to show us where those temptations are, where those traps are, so that we can avoid them in the future. And Father, I want to pray for people here today who've stepped into a trap, who have felt like their life is a bit shackled, that they can't get loose or free, that they've made some decisions that perhaps there's even some regret with. Father, you are the one who frees. You are the one who liberates. And Father, you can even redeem time. And I thank you that today, Father, through your word and through your knowledge and through your Holy Spirit, you bring freedom that the truth brings, that freedom to hearts and to lives today. And that those chains and shackles that have been so constricting, Lord, that we would offer you the place to remove those that you would fill our hearts with this new heavenly perspective, that you would give us eyes into the unseen, that you would cause us to look up at heavenly things and to set our affections on things that are above, not on this world, that you would disentangle us from the affairs of this life and let us get wrapped up into the things of your spirit that help us to live powerful, victorious, overcoming lives here on earth, going through this world, guided by your spirit as sons and children of God. Father, I thank you for helping lives today, helping free people, and helping to give us that spiritual wisdom that your spirit is so readily and willing 
to give us. Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.